Welcome to the Broadcast Dialogue podcast, the show all about the media industry in Canada. Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Sean Smith. Well, if you're anybody in Toronto media, you've probably been a guest or at least been invited on what's arguably one of Canada's longest running podcasts covering broadcast media, Toronto Miked. From Ron McLean to Denise Donlan to Alan Cross and George Strombolopoulos, Mike Boone has an impressive list of interviews under his belt who have made the trek to his home in Etobicoke to talk about broadcasting all things Toronto and whatever else might come up in the conversation. I appreciate you joining me today. It's apropos, I think, given that it's Canadian Music Week in Toronto, huh? Absolutely. I just uh, need to finagle my way uh, into some of these great rock shows that are going on. It's always a fun time in the city when it's Canadian Music Week. No kidding. No kidding. Well, we'll see what we can do. We know some people over there. We'll work some magic for you. If they have a, if they have a t-shirt for me, even better. I love t-shirts. I know the guy to talk to. We'll get you hooked up. Look, podcasting is a, is such a vibrant form of audio media, and we're so stoked to be covering it in broadcast dialogue. Um, all the better to talk to you because you've really uh, charted your own path and you were in it earlier. Tell me about how you got into being an independent podcaster. Let's go all the way back to 2005 when wow. the word podcast really scared people. But I was friends with a popular Toronto morning show duo, Humble and Fred. Uh-huh. And like many in radio, <laughs> they, got, uh, they got news that their, their services were no longer required at, uh, where were they, at the Mix 99.9 before it became Virgin. And they wanted to continue broadcasting, but they did not have a terrestrial radio gig. And they knew I was a, I'm a, I've always been a digital services guy, digital marketing guy. Right. And they basically, uh, they met me, we met for, uh, I think for a brunch or a lunch. And they said, Hey, we want to record an episode. We want to record a show. And we would like you to make it this podcast thing. They, they heard about this podcast thing. So essentially in 2000, uh, December, 2005, I became the digital producer of the Humble and Fred podcast. Wow, no better place to start. I mean, that's regarded as pretty much the, the numero uno in Canada, isn't it? Well, I mean, I was a big fan of their, their work and uh, just, just to get a chance to kind of have a, have a part because I've never, never worked in radio, but I'm a radio fan. So it was just cool to have a, sort of a, a role to play. And at what point did you decide to get into it yourself as a host? Okay, so back in October 2011, so what is that, almost uh, almost seven years ago, uh, Humble and Fred again decided they were going to podcast every day. So they had, they, we did these one-offs, like a couple of times a year, we all got together at Dan Duran's house or something, and we recorded these these episodes. But they wanted to do it every day because they wanted to make, you know, make it a real business and properly monetize it. So I was you know, heavily involved in, 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 uh, like I'm the back end architect, if you will. I was the guy who designed the back end of how this will work. This is, this is your XML file. This is what syndicates it to the different podcast aggregators. So I was very involved in the back end of the humble and Fred show in, uh, the October, 2011. And after a few months of watching them kind of do it daily, I literally got the itch. Uh, I've never liked my voice. I've never even like, <laughs> I've never even considered, Considered like becoming a content creator or producing the, the 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 actual content. I was, you know, the wizard behind the curtain doing the back end digital stuff. 
And I thought, like, what if I left my comfort zone? And what if I handled the A to Z of it, where I literally, I invited the guest, I did the research, I was the host, I was the editor, I created the MP3 file, I then, of course, would handle the back-end stuff, like the XML and the promotion and the social. What if I handled the A to Z of a podcast? Could I do it? And the only way to find out was to do it, and I started doing it, and here I am six years later almost, and I'm still doing it. It turns out you were a natural after all. Oh, I don't know about that, but it was great fun. I think so. Well, look, uh, 330 some episodes in, um, did did you think you'd be that far into it, you know, at this point? I don't know. Like, in, in fact, when I started it, I didn't know what it was. Like, it's one of those things where it it evolved. It, was, it, it evolved. Like, I had, to, I had to jump in and do it to find out what it was, if that makes sense. So, like in the beginning, it was just me and a, me and a buddy would just be talking about stuff, Toronto stuff usually, but just chatting. And then at some point, I realized what it could be, which was it could be like a long-form conversation with an interesting, I'll say famous, but a, a known personality, uh, usually Toronto-centric, but not necessarily. But uh, somebody people know and maybe even love <laughs> coming over to my house and having a, you know, a lengthy, deep discussion about the stuff you don't normally hear about when you have these like two and three minute uh, uh, sound bites you hear on like terrestrial stations. So, like, yeah, it became it became what it is now, and because it's great fun, I uh, I'm gonna keep doing it. So it started out as sort of an anything and everything, but in fact, over the years, it's defined itself as being a uniquely Toronto, um, you know, experience. So much so that I, I guess that instead of calling people and, and uh, sort of twisting their arm to come over to the house, um, you, you probably got a lineup of people ready to go, huh? Well, that's the nicest thing that's happened. Like, I just got an email like a moment ago be- before we started talking from Dan O'Toole from Jay and Dan on TSN, right? Dan O'Toole is a Canada-wide famous guy when it comes to sports media. Sports fans know Dan O'Toole. And he he's writing me to come on the show because his, you know, his partner Jay, his professional partner Jay Onright loves coming on Toronto Mike and just made his second appearance and now Dan O'Toole wants to experience that so yes now we have people I want to talk to actually like knocking on the door saying hey I'm available to do an episode are you interested and that is really like really helpful because I, that's a hard the hardest part of the gig was tracking down these people and getting them to visit this guy's basement for a couple hours. That was the toughest part. Who is the, the, the one that uh, took forever to get? It's still happening. So, okay. So for you, ye- you can name names. It's fine. Yeah. I, oh, of course I'm going to name names. That's what, come on. You, you invented dishing. Like, come on. What? Yeah. I try not, to, I'm trying not to be too TMZ ish. I try to keep it pretty uh, above board, but I, I call it real talk where, uh, you know, those questions that as a fan you want asked, yeah. But you never hear them ask because the conglomerates, the cable companies that are controlling the content. Well, I ask those questions, so that's the big difference. But Ann Romer, Ann Romer in Toronto and the GTA is famous for having multiple retirements from her on-air gig on the uh, well, last station with a CP24 here in Toronto. Uh-huh. And uh, I think I bring her up every chance I get. Anyone who's worked with Ann Romer, from Steve Anthony to you know, Dwight Drummond to whoever, I asked them about, you know, Ann, I got lots of Ann questions. Uh, you know, did you buy Ann that uh, 
keg gift card and uh, buy her a present for the first retirement? And were you disappointed when you had to buy another keg gift card for the second retirement party? Like, and then for the third, did you even attend the third retirement party? <laughs> so uh, I've been talking to Anne like for years now and via email. And Anne is lovely via email and promises she's coming on, but it's always like, we'll do it in three months. And it's been for years, it's been pushed off. And she, pro- she says she's going to come on and late, later this month, and I'll believe it when it happens because it's, it's like Charlie Brown and kicking that football. Well, come on. I mean, your place is the, the most traveled piece of real estate in the greater Toronto area. She's got a, you know, she's one of the only ones that hasn't been there, apparently. Well, yeah, there's a few, but uh, I would love, I can't wait till she makes her appearance. That's like my uh, white whale, I guess you'd say. So take me through what happens when uh, these people arrive at your front door? The, uh, 90% of the time I'm meeting the person for the first time. Mm-hmm. So once in a while, I'm somebody who's making a return visit or I've actually met them through some channel or I met them through some humble and thread connection or whatever. But 90% of the time I've never met this person and they're, you know, typically they're like famous, right? These are well-known TV, you know, radio personalities. Uh, Dan Showman was just over. Like Dan Showman, I'm a big fan of Dan Showman. I think he's one of the best baseball uh, callers uh, around today. And Dan Shulman comes to the door. So I meet him for the first time. You know, you shake hands. Hi, Dan. Nice to meet you. And then I, I, I purposely don't want to do any chatter. Like, I don't want to talk. I know it sounds rude, but I actually like it all happening as I record. Like, I like to get to know someone on the air, so to speak. Totally. So we, we go down to the basement. <laughs> I give them a warning about the low ceilings because Dan is a tall guy, for example, <laughs> and he will hit his head because I have a gift downstairs with these ducks and it's a low ceiling to a million dollars to raise the, the ceiling. Anyway, <laughs> I warn them about the low ceiling. They get, they sit down. I let them know you got to be right on this microphone. Because, uh, these mics, you eat, eat them like an ice cream cone. we make sure they like their headphone volume. And then I look them in the eyes and I say, do you mind if we just dive right in? And then we, we get to know each other during the recording and we build a rapport as I record, and that's the way I, I like to keep it organic and authentic and fresh. Now, as a podcaster, clearly you believe that the length of the podcast shouldn't be an issue. Do you worry about the, the clock when you get into these conversations? Once in a while, the guest has like a hard stop, we call it, or whatever. They'll be like, right. I, only have, I only have 60 minutes. So now, of course, once they tell me I only have 60 minutes, it's, you know... I'm pretty quick on the, at this point, I'm pretty quick on the fly and I know how to kind of make it exactly 60 minutes, but I have notes, right? Cause I've done my research, I have my notes and uh, I, I'll know, like I'll know by how the report is and how my guest is sort of responding and conversing with me, whether this is going to be a 60 minute episode or is this going to be like Gord Stellick was just over former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs and he went two and a half hours. Wow. So I don't, I don't ever go into an episode with a set time. I can feel it. Like, you can go look at the archives and say, oh, that guy did 35 minutes. And when you see the guy who did 35 minutes, unless it's an example, like Roger Ashby told me, I only have 30 minutes. And because it's Roger Ashby, I said, okay, we'll keep it as close to 30 as possible. But there, there is, there's an example, at least one or two, where you'll say, oh, that was a 35-minute episode. Because I basically shut it down nicely because I realized that this person isn't giving me the, the, the authentic real talk that I crave. So, there's no set time when I go in. It might be an hour. It might be two and a half hours. It is what it is. As long as it's compelling and it flows, I'm fine with it. I think that's the beauty of podcasting. Under what circumstances will you edit? 
I, well, one time I had a Toronto Star journalist who told me uh, he revealed things that were under a court order. Like, so, he, okay. so yeah, people get comfortable in their basement and they often say things that maybe they wouldn't say if they were in a more like clinical environment or whatever, but he flipped. So yeah, he's a great guest too, but he flipped and he said things on the podcast that there was a court ban apparently on journalists disclosing this information. And he looked, he looked at me and went, he basically said to me, we have to take that part out because I could be like arrested and lose my job and always really, and of course I'm a, I'm a nice guy. So I was happy to, to, to edit that out before I published the podcast. But other than those kind of examples, because they're few and far between, I never edit a word. I'll be honest, if I mispronounce a word or I don't remember the last time I took a word out of the podcast. So you just go on your gut instinct of what's working and what's not, and you sort of edit yourself in real time. It's all done. Even the, the sound, like you're gonna like for my podcast, the from the opening theme to the sponsor mentions to the the music that I'll play during it or whatnot, all of it is done. Like I guess you'd call it like live to tape. It's all done in real time. I'm doing it all fading, fades everything completely real time. And then once we wrap up, I like I trim the two seconds of air at the beginning and the two seconds of blank at the end. And then I uh, create my MP3 and then I, I upload it. it that's it. Well, wow. no, I don't edit anything. Ever. That's a real art. There's no question about it. Now, um, you mentioned that people will reveal things to you. You're renowned for being able to extract info without people even realizing. Is there a secret to it? Like, is there something we can learn on how to sort of disarm people and get them to tell them what you want? <laughs> well, it's not really a secret because it's instinctual, but you don't, start with the heavy stuff okay so often for example like if somebody comes over a, a national cbc personality comes over by the name of diana mm -hmm. it might open with a little maybe a paul anka like maybe i'll play a little paul anka uh <laughs> like a little diana or maybe i'll play some michael jackson dirty diana and we'll do some like lighter stuff off the top so the first bit is getting to know the person getting sort of them to relax making them try to make them laugh a little bit. You know, I try to be funny. I don't know how successful I am, but you basically, you get, you can watch their guard come down and they're kind of there and they're in this guy's basement and the conversation's kind of natural and flowing. It starts light. And then they don't even, sometimes they don't realize like an hour into it. I can sense the time is right for me to maybe a harder question, a little heavier question. And before you know it, uh, a gentleman like Dave Hodge, who I just adore, Dave Hodge, who told me before we started recording, I don't want to talk about the pen flip. And I smiled at him and said, <laughs> I'm probably going to ask you about the pen flip. To be honest, I had, I had like 45 minutes of stuff on the pen flip. But I'm probably going to ask you about the pen flip. Whether you, what you say is up to you. You could tell me you're not going to talk about it, but I'm going to ask you and you can do what you want to do. And by the time I got to the pen flip, Dave Hodge gave me uh, just the most detailed and introspective, the most fascinating uh, 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 thoughts on the pen flip. Like, so that's what I think I just naturally know when to go where, I think. Was there a particular uh, personality or an interviewer that you've sort of taken your cues from or you've learned from or has been a, sort of a mentor to you? Yeah, I, I really liked, <laughs> absolutely, Brian Linehan. Totally. Had a show, I was at a national show uh, or a Toronto show. I get confused sometimes with the city stuff. Both, I think. Okay, I think you might do. Yeah, you must be right. It was called City Line, I think. City Line? Right. Okay, so the show I watched, was, I think it was called City Line. What I liked, this is, of course, pre-internet. So Brian Linehan would have a guest on. 
uh, at 299 Queen, which I have, love my guests from 299 Queen because I get to do the whole Moses uh, chum stuff. I love that yeah. stuff. But uh, Brian Linehan, he's no longer with us. He's passed on. So sadly, I can't get him on the podcast. Uh, but Brian Linehan really did, he was kind of famous for doing his homework. And he would kind of go places. And then even the guests would kind of be impressed. Like, oh, you, I didn't know you'd know about that. And then the guest was really happy to talk about this, something that isn't maybe particularly mainstream, well-known. This is pre-Google days, so Brian must have had good sources. But I always liked the way Brian was prepared. Nothing irks me more than, and I have friends who have done this, and I won't name names, but you have an interesting person in your presence for an interview, and you don't even, you don't go to all these places, these fascinating places that, you know, the listener wants you to go to, because you just don't know about it, because you didn't do any homework. Like, like take, take some time to do the homework and to take some notes on the points you don't want to miss. And you'll, you won't forget to hit those spots and you could extract some fascinating uh, real talk. Um, so Brian Linehan is the guy. And then if you, and I also, as an adult here, I, I do enjoy a good, a good Howard Stern interview, for example. Yeah, so me too. You got your Brian Linehan, you sprinkle it a little Howard Stern, a PG version of Howard Stern. And that's kind of my uh, inspiration. And you feature lots and lots of uh, luminaries in media. Um, obviously, you have a real passion for that. Um, did you ever have any sort of media background? Nothing. Nope, nothing. Nope. I've been working B2B software companies my whole life doing digital marketing, and I've uh, never had any kind of a media. I've never touched any mainstream media. I, I've run a blog since 2002, which was basically a written form of the podcast, uh, you know, before there were podcasts and before I would even think of recording my voice, but uh, no, no media about that. So as a digital marketing guy, I'm glad you mentioned that again. Um, any thoughts about how bloggers and podcasters out there can use some of those tricks to build a brand and monetize? Can you give, give any broad brush sort of, uh, advice? Well, I will say the, um, one, one of the pieces of advice I, I will share is that it, it doesn't happen overnight. Like the, I remember when I started the blog and I've been blogging like daily, like I said, for this 2002 and that was early days of blogging too. But I remember, cause you always have your, your analytics installed from the get go and you kind of, you, at the beginning you're excited to watch the traffic and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I distinctly remember the days when, you know, Oh my goodness, I had 10 unique visitors to the page today. Like that's double digits. Like I remember <laughs> those days. And I, and I remember like when, you introduce, you try to monetize it with like Google AdSense, for example, and they won't cut you a check until you clear, I can't remember if it's 100 or $200. I think it might be $100. <laughs> I still remember like the first time, like it took months and months of like uh, activity before I cleared $100 and I got my first check. I'm like, I just got $100 from my blog. Like it took like, literally it took like six months to get there. And if I do the math, I was probably making like 15 cents an hour or whatever. Sure. But yeah. it was like, really exciting. But it, it's a slow burn. Like you have to keep at it. And um, like it took years to kind of establish the blog. And then it, I think it took probably took years before the podcast kind of took off. And it's kind of, it's, I'm getting, I mean, I'm getting recognized and people are kind of telling me now to come up to me and saying, Hey, I love your podcast. Like it's the, my favorite radio is your podcast and it makes me feel real good, but it wasn't an overnight success story. Like it took a while to find my voice and to, to, to get better at it and learn like, you know, how to create compelling content. So you got to be patient and stay, stay, stay with it. People want to like instant ad, you know, 
people are like, I'm going to start a podcast and get rich. I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you, it just doesn't work that way. You have to create compelling content and you have to stick with it. And, uh, my favorite radio is my podcast. I love that. At this point, you've got some really cool advertisers, including the, uh, the beer guys. Um, so do they come to you or are you at a point still where you're going out there and actively selling? Okay, I'm almost ashamed to admit this because, uh, but I've never... That's okay. It's just you and me. You can tell me. I've never, I guess you call it hustle. I've never, ever tried to monetize. So every single, I have four sponsors right now and all four of them had to like hunt me down. And like, I remember the beer guys are like, hey, can you just, we're in your hood. Can you please just bike over for a meeting? And I kind of was like, I don't know if I want to do that. And then I, I finally went over and I almost had to be talked into it. Like, so I, this is, I'm, I'm a lousy sales guy, I guess, but um, it means I've yet to have to hustle and at some point, though, I think I probably uh, will want to hustle. But I've been lucky so far, and all four have approached me. Well, that's the most awesome thing, isn't it? When it happens organically, and uh, when it happens organically, it's worth more. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. You managed to get scoops on people moves, or as we call them in broadcast dialogue, um, the revolving door moves. Uh, and the sign-offs, like what gives? How how are you the go-to guy to break a lot of these stories? And sometimes we're following you. <laughs> a couple of reasons. One is at this point, so I just recorded episode three hundred and thirty-three, and that means I've had and not I haven't had like it's been sometimes it's not a famous person, sometimes it's somebody for the second or third time. But let's there's been hundreds of industry insiders in my basement now. And I always joke, like, after we record for whether it be an hour or two or whatever, I stop recording. And then they're kind of sitting down the stairs with you. And then they, maybe then you get a lot of stuff uh, that they didn't want to put on. I know my boss is listening, right? So they don't want it recorded, but they do want to talk about stuff, like off the record, if you will. So what happens is you end up, I have, I don't want to call them friends, because it's not like, oh, they'll be at my wedding or whatever, but right. these are like, they're acquaintances. Friendly, yeah, right. friendly acquaintances. I'm friendly with a lot of insiders who like to chat me up about things. And I'm, I get along with a lot of the people. And I legitimately like a lot of these people. I would totally like uh, have loved to go out for, uh, you know, a coffee or a beer. Like they're buddies. And Jay Onright, man, that guy's like my blood brother. That guy's great. People like that, you just hit it off with. And people will tell you things. So that's one thing is people, you have friends on the inside all of a sudden. And the second thing is the blog has been writing about, my blog, TorontoMike.com, has been writing about radio since 2002. And if you look around at the mainstream media, I mean, you guys do a great job, but uh, there's not exactly a lot of, like, if, if let's say Q107 is going to let go Andy Frost, let's say, legendary mm -hmm. Andy Frost, who's been on my podcast. Uh, it's not like there's lots of people at newspapers who write about local radio now. Like, all the newspaper guys are paper thin with their reporters. And they don't have anybody really covering the space anymore. So the mainstream media has sort of abandoned the, unless it's a huge story, they've kind of abandoned writing about this kind of thing, where they mm -hmm. used to have columns in the, the Globe and the Sun and the Star on these topics. That's true. So basically, people now see me as an authority because when you Google, I don't know, changes, I don't know what's a good example. There's lots of good examples. But if the, if the station has let go a DJ, like Ingrid, legendary Ingrid Schumacher is let go from Chum FM, people... Google it and they'll end up on my site because I will be ranked very highly for this story because I'm one of the very few places I actually wrote about this story. And then you just gain this like reputation as an authority figure. So people will tell you things, they'll come to you because people are coming to you for stuff. Other people are telling you stuff because they want you to share this. And it just sort of, 
goes organically like that. Damn it, Mike Boone, I need to get you on the payroll. You're awesome. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, look, what advice do you have for uh, other podcasters that are just kind of getting started? I mean, you were there from the infancy. You grew it probably through denial and error, like Ricky on Trailer Park Boys right. would say. Um, <laughs> you, what would you say to somebody jumping in now? Uh, the monetization uh, shouldn't be like the first step. I think that's one thing. And there's an exception. I always say an exception is like if you're famous. Like I wasn't famous. I'm just a guy in my basement. I'm still just a guy in my basement. You know, I'm not in people's living rooms or well, I'm kind of in their car now sometimes, but uh, I'm not famous. So if you're not famous uh, and you're starting your podcast, like first create good content. Then now that you have good content, work on building an audience and then you can monetize it. Like a lot of people want to start with the monetization. Mm -hmm. Firstly, even really popular, successful Canadian podcasts are struggling, really struggling with monetizing. This is the, you hear all these stories. We get a lot of these, you know, you read these articles about all the money flying around the States when it comes to podcast advertising. Like I envision like they all, like they're, they're lighting their cigars at the hundred dollar bill at the podcasters down in the States. Like those roads are paved with gold. It's not like it's just not like that right now. We're either we're behind, or maybe the advertising is a little more conservative up here. But I mean, I have my ear to the ground, and it's very difficult if you're not a famous person. It's very difficult to monetize your podcast. So create your good content and start building an audience first, and then and then you can focus on monetizing your podcast. Uh, that's what I believe, anyway. Hey, Mike. Yes. If we're gonna kick out the jams right now, what do you got? Oh. You, you want me to kick out the jams right now? Hell yeah. Bring it on. You want, you want like one of my, one of my favorite uh, songs of all time? Yeah. All right. Let's see. Let's see what I can tell at you. I like a lot. I mean, I'll give you a teaser here. Hold on here. I was working on a list actually. So I'm going to pull it up real quickly here. But, <laughs> okay. So here's, here's a jam. Here's a jam. I loved it the first time I heard it on like Q107 on my way. I'm on the subway going to high school. They play this jam. I'm like, what is this? Like, it wasn't a style of music I was that familiar with because it felt a little country-esque and I hated country. But Steve Earle's Copperhead Road. Oh, yeah. I can't, I'm still, what is it? How many years later? And it, one of my, well, my favorite television show of all time includes, Steve Earle appears on it. It's called The Wire. And Steve Earle plays a character named Waylon. And that's a coincidence because I love the song well before then, but it just sort of sealed, it made me, it validated my thoughts on this. But yeah, Steve Earle's Copperhead Road for sure is uh, one of my favorite jams of all time. That's awesome. And it's mostly all in one chord too, which is kind of funny for the guitar players. It just never really changes oh. key. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and the story, and this idea, you know, I mean, I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but like at the root of everything uh, when it comes to, you know, content be it whatever a song or a podcast or an article or it's, it's a story right like really Toronto Mike is just I'm it's trying to extract interesting stories from people who have interesting stories to tell but tell me a story and that's Steve Rose Copperhead Road in addition to being a cool tune that just got that kind of rock country flavor it's a cool story so yeah I love that Jeff. one of the great songwriters to Steve Earle yes Mike, you're awesome. Everybody in this industry needs to follow you. Uh, I know that you've already got Toronto and the, the Golden Horseshoe already all tapped out. But um, if you go national, you got a lot of people who are going to be beating down your door. This, that's for sure. No, I, I got to say, I, I, this was enjoyable. I love talking, podcasting, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for this. Mike Boone is the host of Toronto Mike'd. And you guessed it, he joined us from Toronto. 
You can hear the podcast at torontomike.com. I'm Sean Smith. Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.